Good evening and welcome to this evening's edition of The Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to you from historic Harpersbury, West Virginia. Tonight's episode is The Great Fraud, The COVID-19 Agenda, Part 4. Did we throw away our God-given civil liberties? I'd like to start with a quote from Reverend Sum Young Moon. Your conscience knows and perceives not only every action you have performed, but also every thought you have entertained. Your conscience is aware of these things before your teachers, parents, or even God are. Hence, if you were to live in absolute obedience to the commands of your conscience, which is your teacher for eternity, you would be absolutely guaranteed to have eternal life. Such is the way of creation. So tonight we're talking about civil liberties. And speaking of our liberties, they come from God and they're also escounced in the founding documents of the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. The Declaration of Independence states that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So as we know, churches have been closed down, pastors have been arrested, Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York has threatened to permanently close Churches, Mayor Muriel Bowser in D.C. has threatened to arrest people if they're out against her orders, stay-at-home orders. The Delaware State Police and other jurisdictions have said that they will stop any out-of-state tags and just question what they're doing in Louisville, Kentucky. They're actually tracking COVID-19 patients with um, the tracking bands they use for people on probation. In other words, they're treating them like criminals. So we have to really be concerned about the abrogation of our God-given human rights. And the bottom line is, are we willing for a threat either perceived or real? Now, I've been making the case strongly that this threat is a perceived threat only, meaning it's not real, it's a fraud. But even if it's a real threat, not saying there's not uh, obviously a virus, but the actual uh, threat or damage of the virus. So the point is, whether the threat is real or perceived, are we willing to give up our God-given rights because of this threat? And I would say, no, no way. We're not going to do that. Hell no. So no, no way. So I would like to read and from uh, Governor Noem in South Dakota what she said about why their state does not have a quarantine. Here's what she said. She discussed the constitutions of both the country and the state, saying they prevent draconian, quote, draconian measures much like the Chinese government has done, and, quote, 
actions we've seen European governments take that limit citizens' rights, unquote. Quote, our Constitution ensures that citizens' right is protected, unquote, Noam said. Quote, I agree with the role of our government as set forth in our state and our national constitution. People are primarily responsible for their own safety. In that vein, while Noam has urged the importance of social distancing and hygiene again and again, she's also made it clear that she's asking South Dakotans to follow these guidelines, not telling them to. The people themselves are primarily responsible for their safety, Noam said. They are the ones that are entrusted with expansive freedoms. They're free to exercise their rights to work, to worship, and to play, or even to stay at home or to conduct social distancing. Noam has furthermore said that several factors about the state, primarily its rural status, put South Dakota in a better position to weather the pandemic. Our sense of personal responsibility, our resilience, and our ready sparse population density puts us in a great position, she said, to manage the spread of this virus without needing to resort to some of the measures that we've seen in some of these major cities, coastal cities, and other countries. And at one point, Noam asked South Dakotans plainly, do you really want to stay at home? So we see that she's asking people to exercise their individual responsibility. And isn't that the key point? Aren't we the ones entrusted with responsibility? For instance, those who are, you know, at risk can be careful. For instance, if they're elderly and subject to flus and viruses or immunocompromised or have AIDS or other conditions that would suppress their immune system, then be careful. Make sure they take precautions during this time. It's up to the individual's portion of responsibility, not a centralized authority to tell us what we're going to do. It's simply unacceptable based on the fact that God gives us our rights. They're not some kind of license granted by the government that they can take away, and that individuals are free to make decisions and they're primarily responsible for their own safety. Next time, I'd like to read from an editorial by Randall Holcomb. He's with the Independent Institute. So he, he says... He's talking about similar things, you know, restricting, making various restrictions. And, of course, we know that the right to free assembly and freedom of speech is guaranteed in the Constitution of the United States of America. And so people are free to do that. Now, right now, we're said we're not free to do that. But is that constitutional? No, that's not correct. People are free to do that. But the government is saying they're not. So that is wrong. That's incorrect. The freedom cannot be abrogated just by someone says, oh, you can't gather. How many? Oh, it's 50. Oh, it's 500. Oh, it's 10. Oh, it's 3. This is random. No. People have to decide themselves. Of course, people are free to stay at home, obviously, you know, and exercise cautions. But they're not forced to based on edicts of centralized authority that violate their conscience and their God-given freedom. So Mr. Randall says, or rather Randall, Mr. Holcomb, my concerns are not so much with the short-run policies governments are designing to deal with the pandemic, 
but with the long-run consequences. I'm not questioning the constitutionality of government actions to contain the virus, although I think there are questions. I'll leave those questions to constitutional scholars. I'm concerned about the longer-run impacts on personal freedoms. Robert Higgs, in his excellent book, Crisis and Leviathan, documents how government power ratchets up during times of crisis, and after a crisis passes, never contracts to its pre-crisis level. As governments mandate policies to deal with the pandemic, a long-run consequence of the pandemic is likely to be a ratcheting up of government's regulatory powers and resulting compromise in individual liberty. So your rights to freedom to gather cannot be dissolved without redress in a court of law, i.e. a trial or sometimes a similar legal proceeding, but, but that means a trial. You can't just decide that someone, oh, he can't move around, but actually governments now like that in Kentucky is decide, oh, you didn't stay at home. We're going to um, put a monitoring band on you. And, you know, if you don't stay at home, we're going to lock you up like you're on probation. No, that's wrong. Of course, they should have stayed at home by their own responsibility. So, I mean, but but still, that's not that's not right. You know, there's no limit to these things like the freedom to gather. I mean, how much freedom are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your God given rights at this time and permanently? That's what we're looking at. And we're looking at these things being extended indefinitely. Who knows? If you listen to Bill Gates, he wants them into the summertime. Well, that's not kosher. That's not acceptable. You know, d destroying people's uh, God-given rights and their right to a, a livelihood, a right to earn a living, the right to gather together. And, you know, whether the threat is real or perceived, as I said, and I'm also making the argument very strongly in my series that it is actually a fraudulent threat that is being uh, perpetrated upon us by not giving real statistics, meaning we're not looking at morbidity. I was talking to a health official today in my county today, and he told me the um, hospitals are much less busy than usual. Go figure. Because I was wondering, like, wow, are people teaming in there with injuries? And No, not at all. It's empty. And we're seeing this not just here, but throughout the country, you know, in many, many, many places. And as far as places like New York, New York is like a black box. Nobody knows what's going on there. Do the people have pre-existing conditions? Do they have HIV AIDS? Are they immunosuppressed? Are they 99? Nobody knows. We don't know any statistics. I wouldn't believe a thing from New York. It's probably about as reliable as statistics coming out of China. So anyway, the point of the matter is, regardless, that we cannot take away people's rights. And if you think about it, the outrageous things like de Blasio says, Andrew Cuomo. And I was just reading that people are thinking he might be as viable as uh, like um, Joe Biden for president. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, considering that he's willing to just strip people's rights like this. And we'll talk more about that in other installments about what's already happened in New York vis-a-vis -vis the whole measles situation. So, yes, we have to be very, very vigilant. Our rights come from God. And whether a threat is real or perceived, then if a rule or edict or law requires our God-given freedoms and freedom of conscience to be sacrificed, 
is not for the greater good, but rather evil. The purpose of the whole or the greater good will always embrace and uplift the individual purpose, not destroy it. A greater good, so-called, that is not centered on God's purpose is evil, i.e. communism. Communism claimed to create an ideal society, but murdered hundreds of millions, at least a hundred million more than that people. This supposed good purpose actually only serves a ruling elite. That was true of communism, and that's also true of this elitist um, agenda, as we just pointed out. If you didn't see yesterday's installment or listen to it, you will see about what Bill Gates says you should be doing. Right. I'm sure he's, it'll serve his purposes, but not the, the God-given rights that you have. So true good is decentralized and relies on the collective good of individuals and families centering on God, not centering on government, not centering on Kyomo or de Blasio or Mayor Bowser, centering on God. Hello. So let's wake up. Let's not throw away our freedoms voluntarily based on false arguments. We have to be ready to take individual responsibility for our own situations, as Governor Noam so wisely said in South Dakota, and also here in West Virginia, and in the nation, we need to open our country now and open our state. Actually, West Virginia is similar to South Dakota, you know, in being a rural state. No city is over like 70,000. We don't need the, these draconian restrictions. Hello, Governor Justice. Call Governor Noam. You can learn a few things, actually a lot of things. President Trump, call Governor Noam. You can learn a lot of things from her. Okay, I thank you for joining us tonight. Do be vigilant of your God-given rights. Do not give them away to despots and tyrants and megalomaniacs like Bill Gates. And we pray that we can make it through this crisis. This is really a spiritual crisis. If we can see God's viewpoint, we will see that we cannot throw away all our rights and freedoms for some either real or actually supposed threat. So I am your host, Richard Urban. I'm coming to you from historic Copperage Ferry, West Virginia. Thank you for joining us for tonight's installment. Did we throw away, or I should say, will we throw away our God-given civil liberties? Do be blessed. Good night, and we will see you tomorrow.